This episode brought to you by NewFit. NewFit, state-of-the-art technology using electrical currents to stimulate the nervous system, quicken healing times, quicken recovery of injured muscles, build strength, optimizes the total functioning of your of your entire body, your musculature, your nervous system, your organ function, cognitive function, all of it. It's really a profound technology. Check out the link in the show notes. You can use code EBBINFLOW there. Head to new.fit forward slash EBBINFLOW. That's N-E-U dot fit, F-I-T forward slash EBBINFLOW. Check that out. Really grateful to those guys for their support of this podcast. Also, our friends at Quicksilver Scientific, Dr. Chris Shade and company. Love those guys. They're absolutely family. Some of my favorite products on the planet, NanoFuel. It's like ancient adaptogenic Adderall. Nothing quite like it to stimulate cognitive function for focus, for getting you into the flow. It's all liposomal delivery, highly bioavailable, ginseng, astragalus, all the good stuff. Highly recommend it. Use code EBBINFLOW at checkout quicksilverscientific.com. That link is also in the show notes. Other than that, enjoy this episode. Lots of love, y'all. Peace. You have unlocked the eternal link to internal source. The key of imagination. Your admission. Access to the enlightened dimension. A gateway at the junction of darkness and light. The place at which the chaos of our conditioned frame of mind give way to a life in constant flux, only to be mastered through vigilant discipline. Peaceful times may come, testing times may go. This is the ebb and flow. We're in. We're in, bro. Are we recording? We're recording. Beautiful. It's all recording. Love it. Love it. <laughs> so is this me introducing this or you? The tables have turned. Yeah, it's you, I brother. I feel like it's... It's you. I mean, I think you should start. Yeah. A shout out to Mohammed in this. Yeah. Yeah. So setting we're in. Yeah. So we've got a new... Uh, we're, we're, we're feeling out this new podcast space at this place called Badia over in uh it's in los angeles and it's an amazing uh moroccan furniture store our friend mohammed has blessed us with using this space he's got this kind of like tea den set and uh i've bought some things here for the house different pieces furniture pieces he's got amazing like handmade stuff from that he gets all from morocco and uh, i came in and i was like we need to do podcast here so here we are <laughs> it's perfect dude i mean I, but um i'm realizing how much stuff at mom's house is from here oh yeah 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 so so this is the first uh reality now interview reality oh. now co- co- uh collaboration with the ebb and flow this this will be released on reality now and the ebb and flow, but 
first reality now. Yeah, so we'll navigate that later. Yeah. I was dope, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's interesting. You know, I was thinking the other day how isn't it interesting how we're just like we're just monetizing talking these days? Mm. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's just talking and making money talking. Yeah, it's very interesting. <laughs> it's very interesting. I've been listening back to our old pods. Uh-huh. Uh this weekend I listened to Into the Metaverse Part One. That's that's a classic. It's kind of a <laughs> It is a classic. And uh some of my inter- some of my conversations with uh Jarrett. Yeah. On his pod. Yeah. And I was thinking about that, how interesting it is that we're just doing these podcasts. We're talking into microphones. Right. Having conversations about life. Mm-hmm. Which is essentially what it is, I think. I think that we're in this interesting place where people are interested in learning new strategies, new perspectives on how to navigate life. And I said this thing in this podcast I was listening to the other day. The only thing I'm really interested in now, because we could talk about sports. Yeah, right. We do our cultural breakdowns, which are always fun. (laughs) It's fun to have those conversations coming through the lens of spirituality or psychology or, you know, the things that we're interested in. Right. Uh, You know, we could talk about sports. We could talk about nutrition or weightlifting or, you know, anything like that. And yet we somehow choose, I feel over and over again, because I'm most interested in it, the conversation of self-mastery. Right. Self-realization. Self-realization, self-mastery. Right. So, yeah, Yeah. it's interesting. It's an interesting time. Maybe it's the end times. (laughs) Well, something I feel like I have to get over that I've that I've realized, and I think it was my issue of taking the knowledge that we've been given for granted is that a lot of people don't have this knowledge and it's not about, Oh, what's the knowledge? Well, that's what I was going to say. It's not about, Oh, I have the knowledge that you don't have, but it's like the way we grew up Mm. with our mother and the spirituality that we were taught. You know, it's like, you know, when I meet people, they don't off the bat know who Ramdas is. They don't know who Terence McKenna is. They don't know who Bhagavan is. They don't know who Ramana Maharshi is. They don't know what enlightenment might mean. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's important to people want this knowledge and, and it's and it's something that should be shared. So, you know, I just think because I'll get I, I can really take it for granted. I can really think, oh, they know it. They, they've read all the things I've, I've been blessed with, yeah. which really isn't true. It's yeah. really not the case. And this, that's not coming from a spiritual high ground place for me. I just think that, you know, in the same way, I don't really know how to drive a tractor. <laughs> Some dude knows how to drive a tractor. Yeah. Do I need to know how to drive a tractor? Maybe not. But do more people need to know how to meditate? Probably. Yeah. So people want this knowledge, which I feel like is why people talking has become so prevalent and now being this new, this kind of new wave of business. Now, of course, you could get people talking about nonsense, 
my God. And then dude. you could think, well, is, nonsense is subjective because one man's trash is another man's treasure. But I, but to your point, what are we talking about? I feel like we're talking about these things that are evergreen, that people will always need to know and learn to make their lives more contented. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. So, so your journey, I mean, we, when we were just, we were just pulling up in here, we were like, wow, okay, so we're doing this podcast in here. I mean, it's like a Moroccan furniture warehouse. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in a year from now, we're going to look at this and just be like, we were doing that there because, because two or three years ago, we were just doing podcasts on your dining room table yeah. with the dogs, you know, Barking. going insane in the background. Yeah, you know, know what I mean? I know, dude. It's hilarious. It's How hilarious. did you... So you started with Mike, but... I mean, if I well, said... before if, that. So, with Nate. Yeah. Okay. So you had... I mean, did you ever imagine when you were in the NFL, you would be here... Well, it's funny you say that because remember I had oh, well, that then show you had on the NPR. number seventy three. That's had, so weird. So this was always part, or maybe not always, but very early part of your fabric. Yeah, I was always interested in that experience in Jacksonville. Met Dave, right? Luckin, shout out to Dave. So for people that, let me just say, for people that don't know, when Ebb was playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars, he met a guy who ran a, a station on NPR in Jacksonville, and the guy allowed Ebb to have his own late night show, which again, oddly, I was like your unofficial official co-host, and you would do, you would do music and literature, it was yeah. a really, and it was called the number 73. Yeah, the number 73. <laughs> Dave Luckin was the music director of the local NPR station. Right. And uh, I was putting on some fundraiser charity event. And we met and he said, Eb, why don't you come by the studio, bring some music, we'll hang out, you talk about your event, we'll play music. Um, and just come check it out and hang out. I was like, yeah, okay, cool. So I went and I did that. I brought him a big playlist of music. We jammed to that and talked about this event. And while I was in there, I just fucking fell in love with... I really fell in love with the atmosphere. Mm. And this idea of going into a little studio, a little cave with a mic and using my voice. Yeah. It was really interesting. Yeah. It really lit me up. Yeah. And after that, he said, Eb, I've got a few empty slots I need to fill. Would you want to have your own show? Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. Let me do that. So, created the number 73. It was a late night, Wednesday night at midnight or Wednesday yeah. nights at 11 p.m. Right. The number 73 came on and it was, I put a playlist of music together. And then I do poetry readings or mm-hmm. snippets from books or yeah, whatever it wa- whatever it was that I wanted to do, and I would make a whole theme. Every episode had a right, theme. Right, dreams. I still have those CDs in my car. They're fucking great playlists. White <laughs> white tuxedo night or yeah. something like just yeah. funny black tie. Yeah, um, 
desert driving through the desert yeah the desert episode brooklyn yeah um and so really started then and then even more on that i remember one moment in the locker room in jacksonville it was just it was some time between meetings or before practice or whatever it might have been and i'm sure i was on adderall with like a giant dip in mm. And we were sitting around, a bunch of guys just sitting around, and we were just talking about shit. Mm -hmm. Life, movies, culture. Mm -hmm. We were just talking. And I remember thinking to myself, I literally thought to myself, I want to have a job where I talk to people for a living. Mm, interesting. Interesting. And that that's recirculated and myriad forms of maybe i want to be a therapist or a psychologist or you know a teacher something in that realm where i'm interacting with people and having these these discussions right conversations yeah towards something right um you're and here we are yeah man. here you're, we are came out of football met nate doing the cannabis advocacy right he lived in venice yeah and i said to him one day i was like hey dude what do you think about doing a podcast mm. i hadn't even really started listening to pods yet yeah. i don't think maybe joe rogan i'd stumbled on or aubrey yeah. marcus a little bit here and tim ferris here and there um but it was just calling me like getting on the mic using my voice doing this thing and then at that time we had a lot to talk about. There was this whole thing of coming out of football and losing your identity and right. the healing pro life after football. What does that look like? And just, we started talking about that. We started the mindful warrior podcast, which became caveman poet society. Dude, wait, <laughs> it's so funny. Wait, that's so you weird. You came and took pictures. Remember? Yes. Yes. But it's so weird that you just said that it's called Caveman Poet Society, which I do remember, but in this moment, right before you said that, before I was going to interject you, I was going to say, you're like a caveman. I was going to say that, and then you, then you recalled that it was Caveman Poet Society. There's something interesting about that, because also you did your 23andMe, and you had a lot of Neanderthal. Uh-huh. You have a caveman and and how you talked about there was something interesting to you about going into the cave. Uh -huh. You have this very Neanderthal caveman, you know, and you've been talking about that show Vikings. Mm. There's something interesting, you know, and even like sitting at the table before practice with guys, which is basically just around the campfire. Yeah. There's something caveman about you and your <laughs> essence that I feel like I probably have less of. I have, like, maybe my own things, but I was just about to say that, and now you said it's Caveman Poet Society. That's, That's interesting. It is interesting. I think you're right. There's something you're... I feel like you have a real romance or nostalgia for for that, for telling stories, for being sort of in the earth. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. And that, that all makes sense to me. Yeah, I love that reflection. <laughs> I definitely have a thing about going into the cave. Right. It feels very comforting. Right. Yeah, yeah, you have Like that. me in the cave with my family and my dogs. Yeah. And the yeah. fire. Yeah. That's about all I need. Right. 
right? You're very much like that. Talk to me about um, being a spiritual... Uh... You know, it's funny how Ram Dass would say Ram stands for rent a mouth. <laughs> That's funny. Have you ever heard him say that? I think he would I've say that a lot. That. He what does say, he mean by that? Well, he he would say, I'm just here talking. You know, uh -huh. you just you just rent me for this thing and I the just talk speech. and I just say everything you kind of already know, uh, but you yeah, think yeah. you don't know. Yeah. I'm not saying that's you, but um to some extent. How do you f yeah, I mean in and as a podcaster or an orator, I mean you are a rent to mouth in a way. But how do you feel about um I've noticed this in my very small way now cuz I'm building what I'm building with reality now and stuff, but how do you feel about being out in the world? You know, because we've gone out a lot and you'll be seen in public and people will say, hey, man, it's good to see. I love your podcast, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. How do you feel about being a spiritual, let's say leader, a spiritual leader and then going out into the world and then the responsibility of that? Because you know that people, maybe this is me skewing it in a, I don't want to say paranoid way. That's a word I use a lot. But anyway, in a way of like, you know, people are waiting for you to do something wrong or you have to live up to something. Mm. You know, how do you feel about that? You, you know, think you, you people are waiting for me to do something wrong. No, I just think that. <laughs> well, it's, let me get caught with the margarita in my hand at yeah. the strip club. <laughs> well, but see, doesn't that come down to I'm a human, too? Like, what do you want from me? Like, uh, but anyway. I just want to know, what is your thought on being a spiritual leader, saying certain things on social media that are broadcasted, mm. and then you go out into the world and living up to that? Does that ever come across you? Does that come up for you? It's a good question. It's interesting. I think it would if this was all an act or a charade. I was trying to do. Right. You know? Right. I think that whatever it is that I'm doing, I'm, I'm wor the work of my life is to simply be the best version of myself that I can possibly be, which even more deeply means that I'm simply doing my best to come to terms with my humanity, you know, mm. my humanness. And, um, I would say that my two superpowers are this ability to clear myself out of the way, clear my ego out of the way so that Spirit, God, the divine source can move through me whenever I'm speaking. And that coupled with an and not always so comfortable ultra willingness to be vulnerable and to just be honest about where I'm at, you know? And so that removes anything from my 
mm. psyche, any anxiety from my psyche about being caught on a down day or, you know, screaming fuck you to the guy who cuts me off in traffic. Right. You right, know? Right. Right. And I think that, you know, and even that thing, isn't that, isn't that a funny thing? I just said it. I, I'm striving to be the best version of myself that I can be. And what does that mean? You know, in a motivational David Goggins, Tony Robbins plane, it's like, got to conquer everything and make a million bucks and have a house and drive Ferraris and, yeah. you know, yeah. have this massively successful existence. Mm -hmm. But for me, being the best version of myself is essentially learning how to navigate the challenges of life without causing more chaos around mm, me mm. I love i've that. really gotten to this place man it's it's fucking strange and it's uncomfortable and we were just talking about that show vikings about mm -hmm. how these people show vikings gotta watch it if you're <laughs> listening gotta watch this show and it was it was almost like a fucking plant medicine ceremony for me to watch this show mm. There's six seasons. There's like 80 episodes. I highly recommend it. I fucking basically binged it for the last month. And it gave me so much context about where our ancestors come from. Mm -hmm. And a big part of us is this Viking lineage. And even Vikings, they were very Neanderthal-ish type mm -hmm. people. Right. You know, similar very similar DNA, like came out of the forest. Mm -hmm. And they didn't know what to do with themselves if they weren't in conquest or mm. in a war or fighting. Right. They would create all kinds of chaos around them, betray right. each other, yeah. fucking try to overthrow the king, mm -hmm. you know, start betting, start, you know, screwing everybody you see, mm -hmm. drinking till you pass out, constantly drinking. Mm -hmm. you know and um i have that interesting there's that motor inside of me that's been there for a long time and it's also part of where we come from in our childhood and alcoholism and all these different things and who our family the members of our family are and how they function and relationship dynamics and how we fit in in the world and mm -hmm. how we find our self-worth and all of that stuff but it's also this very deep genetic programming this very deep wiring in the dna of like how we exist mm -hmm. and that worked really well for me during my football days mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. it became completely exhausting and just wore me completely out in my years after football and it's become the thing essentially that i'm moving with and confronting in on the path to coming to terms with myself. You know, it's something that comes up over and over again. Like mm -hmm. learning how to just be. Mm -hmm. I went to do this event in Mexico. And I'm sitting there on the beach. I'm on the lounge chair on the beach. White sand, turquoise water, got a fucking coconut. Drinking right. out of a coconut. Right. And... 
there's something in me that's like, yeah. gotta go, you know? <laughs> and I'm like in turmoil yeah. on the beach. Right, right. You know? Yeah. And I was feeling totally lost. Yeah. <laughs> and when I look at Kat and I'm like, I feel totally lost. She's like, Ev, you're not lost. You're right here. Yeah. <laughs> You got no responsibilities right now. You got nothing to do. You could just be and enjoy. And you teach one class. Yeah. You know, initially I was supposed to teach every day, but because of the schedule and and the amount right. of people, the number of people that came, I, they only had me teach one day mm. and I did a podcast one day. And, mm. and so I had this time to just rest and chill and be on vacation. And I yeah, was yeah. just like, yeah, yeah, you know, and then. I'm having all of that dawn on me. And this is after many podcasts this past year where I'm right. saying, oh, I had to take the year off doing podcasts right, and turn right. it down to zero. And yeah. still, you know, this thing is lingering still. Yeah, yeah. The interesting thing is the difference now where mm. it's it was almost as if I had found myself in utter paradise. Mm -hmm. And God is like, OK, Ed, here you are. It's completely turned down to zero, dude. Mm -hmm. How does it feel? Right. You know? Right. And I got to confront that and be yeah. like, oh, I still think I got to do something right. to be worth something. Yeah. And so there's a really, I mean, incredible moment. Mom called one morning and she told me about this experience she had had and basically ended up saying, you know, Eb, we made it, mm -hmm. burst into tears. I'm in tears. Mm -hmm. She's like, Eb, I love you. You, you can put your your weapons down now. Mm -hmm. Just out of the blue. Interesting. And then that was followed up by this Temescal ceremony, uh -huh. which is a sweat lodge. Right, right. Going to this adobe igloo, which yeah. is basically going back into your mother's womb. Right. Which was like, I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. Right. I mean, we could talk about that if you want. But it was interesting. You know, the big thing is like, going back to your question of feeling like any anxiety or anything about how I've got to be out in the world or how I need to show up. And mm. my current task, man, is just learning how to be good with myself. Right. And I've gone so far through this thing, whatever it is with the meditation and the yoga and, and just all the stuff of like getting quiet and learning how to breathe and focus on my breath. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting. The rewiring has gone so far through that the thoughts still come, but there's no anything in my body. Mm -hmm. However, the new, it's still difficult to do nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. It's right. still difficult not to freak out. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't, it's almost like there's no, what is the action of doing nothing? Mm -hmm. What is the counter action to creating the chaos? Right. You know? Yeah. And so that's what I was saying. Well, I've thought of learning how to just be. Right. Right. Well, so first of all, just to kind of recap what you just said, which, sense, but... no, it does. Of course it does. <laughs> I think to recap what you just said about the concern about 
See, it's really more of a reflection on me because why would I ask that question? <laughs> yeah, interesting. You know, it's because of, I think it's probably because of my insecurity about, I don't know why I have this insecurity about speaking about, I think I have a lot of darkness in me. Actually, I do. I have a lot of darkness in me that I've been working to move out of my system. And I believe that when I talk about light, the darkness goes, hey, you're just bullshitting. Mm. And you may not have that. You have your own foibles or whatever. You have your own things. Like we were talking about the other day with the phone, not, not wanting to answer the phone. You know, everybody has their own sort of hang-ups or their sort of bag, as Robert Bly would say. Like, you have your bag of, like, trauma and and shit, you know, and you got to, like, keep clearing out that bag. Yeah. But so it's probably more of a reflection on me and just continuing to surrender to the light and the love because I got a very strong voice of darkness in me that by the grace of God, I've been able to move out of and away from. Mm. So it does make sense for you because, and like I've said on other podcasts with you, it's not a charade for you. And I believe that's why so many people have reacted positively to your podcast because you can sense when it's a charade. You can sense when somebody's not speaking from their intuition, they're speaking more from their intellect. Mm. You know, if you listen to, the great sages, they're speaking from a place of honesty and truth, which mm-hmm. I believe lives in your heart, where mm-hmm. what you're saying has integrated. You know, I feel like there's a very big difference between knowing what the answer is supposed to be in your head, but actually being able to live the answer in your heart. Mm. You know, I've, I've, yeah. I've experienced that with 12-step programs. I know exactly what's, what I'm supposed to say. Probably because I've got a master's degree from mom growing up about what the slogans are, what you're supposed to, you know, but it's like, can I really live, live that? That's a big difference for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm, that's probably why you, that question upon your, you know, reflecting on your answer, it doesn't really equate to your experience in the same way. Um mm. But then what was the other thing you were talking about? Um Learning how to just be. Yeah, learn. Oh, oh, yeah. And then manifest destiny. You know, that's come up for me. I think as humans, you know, we seem to be the creature that participates in this manifest destiny thing. Mm. So, like, what is your destiny? And I feel like that's always on our mind or on our heart, whatever you, whatever you want to say, wherever that lives. So I think there's something always going on in humans where... We're wondering, am I living up to my potential right now? So maybe it's not so bad actually feeling those feelings when you're on the beach and you have the coconut and you're in the most beautiful scenario possible where you're still going, what can I do? But instead, when you grow and and get that awareness around it, like we say, awareness, acceptance, action, you start looking at it from a different place. Mm. You start saying, oh, wow, it's coming up again. Yeah. What am I supposed to be doing? Yeah. And it doesn't need to spin you into, oh, my God, I got to stop thinking about this. Yeah. It or can... starting a fight with somebody you're close to. or Right. 
going off the handle or going and drinking, you know, six yeah. beers and a yeah. few margaritas. Right. It can just move you into a softer place, if you will, of, wow, this is an interesting moment right now where I can really just, the volume is turned down and I can really feel what my dharma is mm-hmm. and get closer to what the truth of that is. Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. That's well, interesting. it all is, isn't it? It's all this, and what? Where are we? Where are we going? We're going into deeper and deeper contact with ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's really the only place we're going. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yesterday and today. I mean, yesterday and today. Today's Monday, May 15th. Yesterday was Sunday. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday to our Happy mother. Happy birthday to mom. It's our mother's birthday today. Um, what was your... Um, feeling super heavy and tender. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And sensitive. Yeah. You know? And we were reading the, uh, the current astrological happenings, and it was like moon and Pisces and all these things happening and it's a very sensitive tender time right now Mm -hmm. emotionally right right so if you're feeling that way Mm -hmm. there's things happening in the stars and the universe that is pulling on us in these certain ways Mm -hmm. yeah and that feels really true for me right now and it's like okay i've got a lot going on Mm-hmm. These weird things happening with family and tax stuff and business stuff and money stuff and relationship stuff and it's all happening. Mm-hmm. And in the past, it could have been I could have gone off and burned bridges or right <laughs> done this thing or gotten pissed off here or whatever. It looks good. There are a million things I could have done, and instead I just slow it down more. I just slow it down. Go on a hike this morning, go to Griffith Park, right, do right. some push-ups, take Luna for a walk, breathe, take a shower. Well, like, that's... coming here to get you, Yeah, I was all sweaty from the hike and shit, uh-huh. and I was like, oh, in my head, there was like this interesting, I was in this interesting matrix of i gotta get there we gotta get i gotta pick up gus we gotta get set up i gotta do this i gotta if we're gonna be rolling by 12 and all this stuff and i'm i don't have time to take a shower i literally put my underwear on put my socks on was halfway getting my pants on when i went dude just take a fucking shower (laughs) just take a shower where's the fire you know you're so easy for me to feel dude like, it's just I take feel, a minute. I feel your energy so text, so easily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel your energy so easily. <laughs> so, um, I feel like I want to know, you know, because we didn't really grow up. We didn't grow up religious, and that could be good, bad, whatever. You know, you hear the, you hear the sort of cliche of, you know, I grew up to church, and now I don't anything that has to do with God, I'm not into whatever that whole story. But so maybe it was a benefit to us. I I don't know. It probably doesn't matter, but like 
what was your what was your journey with trusting God mm. and saying the word God and you know um it's really interesting my again this could be you know i'm asking the questions here so the questions are coming from me but <laughs> there's an element of and i don't believe this i'm just very much like let's let's excavate this and pull this apart you know and see where the, our truth lies like moving away the delusion of like thinking you're delusional for saying god and just trusting that and trusting that it's 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 what it is it's part of cuz it's it's really um it's really fascinating to me to like say god and like god grant me the serenity or god i offer myself to thee or praying and meditating and turning your really turning your life over to that and then you stay so consistent with it that before you know it a year in two years in it's totally part of it's integrated so then you're just saying it and there's no qualms about it yeah so that whole process of trusting it or or moving toward trusting it is really interesting to me and um I don't know any other way now. Yeah. Like I almost can't even pull back what my life would be if I didn't say the serenity prayer or the Lord's prayer or what, or, or, or pray or met like what, I don't even know what that would be now. Yeah. Isn't that interesting how it's also just such a fundamental part of humans? Like we've this whole God thing because when you know, back to you, this is why I think it's fun, like doing the podcast together, because we know each other so well. Mm -hmm. When you were in the NFL, you weren't sitting down and praying. No. I mean, you know what I mean. So, like, maybe like when did that start? And then also, when did did you have like a process of trusting it, trusting God, and saying, "Oh wow, I'm saying God right now. This I'm 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 living in a new kind of God consciousness." Mm. And then trusting goodness and light, trusting the God and the goodness and light that lives in there. Mm. Well, I would say first that I always had this knowing that there was something greater than myself. There was some higher intelligence, spirit, God, moving through my life. From the time I was conscious, I remember being a little kid and thinking about that. Really? Just knowing. Uh -huh. Knowing that something bigger than me has me. Mm. Now, and I was always interested in magic and... what then I would have called like drugs, but really plant medicine, psychedelics. I was always interested in that. These things that could shift your consciousness and you could have mystical experiences and all that. Little did I know life itself could be a mystical experience, you know. Um, now, 
I always trusted and believed that things would work out. Even in the darkest fucking times, dude, during our childhood when shit was like really crazy and chaotic and dark and heavy and difficult. Somewhere in me, I always knew it was going to be better. It would be better. It would get better. Like everything is going to work out. Everything is going to work out. And that being said, to not get too much into the weeds of my football career in particular, where I feel as though I really lost myself. I really lost myself. And when I really learned how to start communing with God and making my life about my communion with God, that was when I went to Al-Anon. Like that really gave me the structure Mm-hmm. And the fundamentals of cultivating my own spirituality and my own mm-hmm. connection with God. Right, right. Learning, learning how to pray and learning about meditation. Learning the yin and yang of meditation and prayer Yeah, as your communion with God. Right. And working that that spiritual program, you know, doing step four was one of the most powerful experiences of my whole life, doing an inventory and writing out my life story and really getting to take a look at where I've come from, the decisions I've made, taking accountability, finding forgiveness, that really was the schooling for me. That was the education for me of learning how to make my life, learning how to make my life this communion with God, which is for me what I've always been craving. Mm -hmm. It was another, it was an interesting thing. I think I was listening to our podcast and I talked about Marth doing my numbers. Uh Yeah. But in my numbers, she said, which was dead on also about, my whole life is about my relationship with God. Mm. It's really my whole life. Mm. Take everything else away. Mm-hmm. My life is about my relationship with God. Is everybody's not? I don't know. I don't know. It's just, you know, when you talk about, it's a thing going back to even, you know, your going back to your question about me being paranoid about being seen out in the world (laughs) as the the spiritual leader and being concerned about people waiting to see me fuck up or something right right. and i just i put the work in Mm -hmm. you know i put the work in i do my homework Mm mm-hmm I'm never the kid. I I used to always be the kid who Mm -hmm. never did his fucking homework. Right. And I'd show up and I'm trying to finish my homework four minutes before the class starts or I'm 
in complete turmoil because I'm trying to think of the excuse of what happened, why I didn't do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And now I'm always mm. prepared. I've, I've, because I do my fucking homework. Right. And for me, the homework is I meditate, I pray yeah. constantly. I'm right. constantly fucking yeah. just doing that. Right. Every interaction I have, good, bad, indifferent is it is grist for the mill as ram would say Mm -hmm. it's 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 fuel for the fire it's material for learning about myself Mm -hmm. and when you know yourself you know everything you know the world right you know that's why it's like know thyself dude forget about fucking figuring out that person or that shit over there know thyself Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Ultimately, and for me, that's that's my life's work. And that is what I would say is communing with God. Because mm. you're constantly tapping into this thing in here. This thing right. that's happening right. in here. Right. And that's the process. I think so. That's the process of life for me. I don't know if everybody's life is like that. I think a lot of people are focused on a career. Or they're focused on doing this. Or they're focused on... You know, all of these things. And for me, I would say my focus is my relationship with God, which because that in for me, for me and my life experience, that is what informs everything else. That is what allows me the opportunity to show up and be the person I'm supposed to be in my relationships, which is just... An, ac- an accountable man, father, partner, family member who people know is going to do the right thing, is going to mm-hmm. be there to support you when you're down, is going to be some a positive influence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, that, that makes sense, you know, and just that. It's interesting because I just feel like everybody has their own journey toward God and finding God and what their process looks like. And because I was going to say to you, or if I was going to venture to guess where it started for you, I would have said Al-Anon. And that's really where it started for me. Um. Yeah. Really formalizing it. Yeah. Started in Al-Anon. Well, then I think, I think why it starts there is because you really get into that very consistent, committed process mm-hmm. where you're consistently praying. Mm-hmm. You're consistently doing inventory on yourself. Your consistency. You're, like I had a sponsor who said, you know, you know, cause the first three steps are your, coming into contact with your higher power and you're turning yourself over to it. So he said, I want you to look for evidence of God in your life. When you're out into the world, look for God, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's an absolute God conscious program. Now, if we were, you know, uh, studying Judaism or Christianity or whatever it may be, they probably have their own process of coming into communion with God and trusting God. 
Um, but that seems like that was ours. Um, so, yeah. which is an interesting thing. It's an interesting, that's an interesting question concept about religion and spirituality. Mm-hmm. And I suppose the only thing that matters is what works for you. What right. what provides you with and it isn't, you know, it's not for it's definitely not it's not about giving yourself this scapegoat. Right. You know? Yeah. It's oh, not yeah. about giving yourself some Santa Claus. Yeah. Yeah. No. No, it, it actually, it actually, to me, feels very much the opposite. Yeah, it feels very much like you're, you're responsible and accountable. This, this is not take away my problems. This is like, no, yeah. okay, you have problems. Face what are we them. gonna do about the problems? We're gonna like, face them. Like it's actually completely the opposite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is interesting. Yeah, exactly. Which I think is part of the misconception. Right. It's part of the misconception. Totally. Well, that's that sort of bastardized version of it, I think, that mm. we created where you just ask God for whatever and then it happens. It's like, no, no, no. There's something. Faith without works is dead. You don't mm. just pray and say, you know, it's like there's an action to it. Yeah. Yeah. Thousand percent. So. Thousand percent. So, and then... um I'm curious about yoga. I think something's interesting, flexibility in yoga. This is something I've wanted to talk about, and I think we can take the opportunity here. Mm. People say, and you said this, I think it's so interesting because you're teaching yoga now, (laughs) and it's something you do every day as far as I know. When I was doing yoga, because I think I got into it before you because you were in the NFL, you you were doing that, you would always say to me, I'm not flexible enough. Uh-huh. And I used to say, Eb, it's not about being flexible. You'd and say I, that too? What's that? You would say that to me too? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, the amount of times we said that is... We, really? We said that a lot. Wow, I don't remember that one. Dude, I used to like do a pose and you would say, I'm, I'm not flexible enough. And I think it's because your joints and your body was so just trashed. You probably yeah. could barely, you could barely sit at a yeah, certain point. I just point. didn't want to do it. But that's interesting because to me, Hatha yoga, which is postural yoga, is actually not about flexibility at yeah. all. Yeah. Like, not at and all. I, and I just want to address this for people listening that, First of all, why do we always come up with these reasons? And I believe it's why I started doing the seasonal writing workshops with Writer's Block is Dead. Why do we always come up with these reasons to not do something? A. And then B, that's sort of another, that's like a side question. But then B, yoga is not about flexibility, particularly postural yoga. I mean, it's like you see these people, and this is just something that feels like factual to me. These people are more gymnasts. This is more um, contortionism. 
It's like you're doing people a disservice doing this extravagant posture. And then somebody that can barely move starts thinking, oh, I couldn't possibly do yoga. Like you really need to stop doing this insane bow pose where your leg is up on the ceiling and you're telling people it's yoga. Like, yeah. okay, you're doing a form of a yoga posture, but you that's that's really uh, unfortunate in terms of inviting everybody in mm-hmm. because that's not what yoga is about. It's more about flexibility of the mind and the heart. It's not about this body flexibility. Yeah. It's actually quite the opposite. Anybody can join in on these postures. And if you look at the original yoga postures it was corpse pose and lotus pose so it was far from all of these gymnastic contortionist um cirque du soleil style things yeah so i'm curious what your thoughts are on that and then why we come up with these reasons to um you know not not to prevent ourselves from doing things you know Because you went from somebody saying, I'm not flexible enough, to now a full-blown yogi who's teaching. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's essentially we say it's not that we can't do that. It's that we won't do that. Mm -hmm. It's that I don't want to do that. You know, so we build a prison around ourselves of, I can't do that. I won't do that. I'm not flexible enough. Meanwhile, it has nothing to do with flexibility. Mm Mm-hmm. It's really about limiting beliefs and holding on to limiting beliefs and fighting for your limiting beliefs, which is an interesting thing in this same discussion, because a lot of people do that. A lot of people do that. For instance, I posted this clip from our our last or one of the first podcast that we did Mm -hmm. about how everyone has someone that they can call. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't believe how many people actually respond that they don't. Gus, Gus, you wouldn't believe how many people are fighting to prove that they have nobody. Wow, that's fascinating. (laughs) Fascinating, dude. People are fighting me. Wow. To say they don't have anybody. They have no one. Wow. There's eight billion people in the world and counting. One woman. You said go- it was privileged of me to say wow. that and that I clearly don't know and that I need to stop smoking weed. That was she needed to like jab, 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 right hook. Yeah. Shame me. Well, shout out to her because, girl, you can call me. <laughs> <laughs> Gus, Gus, people. I'll tell fight. I'll tell you it's all going to be OK. People will fight. To protect their limiting beliefs, their beliefs that they are alone in the world. That's amazing. Fight for that. It's privileged to have a per. Okay, I'm not even. First of all, first of all, what is this word privilege? First of all, okay, yeah, it is a privilege. I mean, what are you talking about? But is it? I I mean, where are you even going with that? I don't even know what you're saying. No, that's these are people who are desperate to hold on to the victim life. Right. I'm alone. Nobody loves me. I'm, I have no one I can call when I'm doing, when I'm in a hard place. Yeah. You are desperate to hold on to that. And again, I'm going to reference Ramdas here. There's two ways in life. There's two choices. 
and I don't particularly like getting into black and white thinking, but I believe this is true. There's two options in life. You can be a victim or you can be a creator. Mm, you can true. be a victim or you can be a creator. People really want to hold on to it, man. You want to fight for that. So, of course, wow, you I'm tell shocked. me. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I'm not. I, actually, I am shocked. I am shocked, actually. I was <laughs> shocked as well. And then I asked Kat her thoughts, and she said, oh, yeah, I knew people were going to have a hard time with that when you say something so definitive See, like back that. to the thing from taking it for granted. I heard you say that, and I was like, yeah, obviously. You know what I mean? I I thought inspired, it was very encouraging and supportive. I mean, think yeah. about inspired think and about, and inspired and like, yeah, of course we do. Thank God we do. Think you know? about the issues of mental health in this world, dude, and how many people are committing fucking suicide because they're walking around with this belief that they're completely alone. Right. That they're fighting people. Right. The fact that you're fighting with me about you not having anybody to reach out to mm -hmm. says everything you need to know about that individual. Right, right. It has no, they they have literally closed themselves off to the world, saying, "I'm isolated. I'm alone. No one can help me. Yeah. It's everybody's fault yeah, that yeah. I'm here." So I, I literally just did my last reality. Now was titled "There's an I in illness and a we in wellness." It was exactly all about right, community. Dude. That says that that so, says everything about that entire landscape right. of belief right there. Right. There's an I in illness and a we in wellness. Yeah. If you're walking around thinking you're completely alone, chances are you're you're in an a diseased state. You're in an illness right. state. Anyway, well, but one of the big things we say in, in, uh, well, that I've heard and that's helped me is that you're not terminally unique. Stop being so self-obsessed. You know how self-obsessed that is? <laughs> Do you know how self-obsessed you are saying you have nobody to call? It's wild. It's about man. the most self-obsessed thing you could ever say. And you know what? Actually, I'm going to flip this on you. That is an incredibly privileged, privileged thing to say. Do you know how privileged you live? This is the first time in the history of humanity where you could say and still survive, I have nobody. You know how privileged that statement is? Mm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You know how privileged that is? Mm -hmm. We would never be able to do that in the past. If you said that and walked away from the tribe, you're literally dead. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. You're probably spiritually dead right now, but you would literally be dead back then. Mm. So yeah, actually, true. you're saying the really privileged thing yeah. that you think you can go through this thing by yourself. Mm. So yeah. you might want to check yourself. Uh -huh. It was because, a very fascinating thing. Because you're not unique. You're not terminally unique. You're really, you're special in your own lovely special way, but everybody's going through some challenge and it's either you get on your horse and you be a creator or you be a victim. Yeah, and you go nowhere. It's fine. It's that's that's one way to roll. That's and if that's where you want to be, great, do that. Um, so coming back to the yoga, <laughs> hatha yoga in particular is really uh, about. Well, it's really about balance. It's about endurance. It's about strength. It's about tapping into your nervous system via your physical body to reprogram your subconscious belief matrix. Mm -hmm. 
I have frequently said, whatever it takes, your whole yoga practice could be you in Shavasana, just breathing, tuning into your breath, not following all the mind chatter that wants to take you a million miles away, get you up off the floor, convinces you that you've got somewhere to be and something to do, and you just keep coming back to your breath over and over again. That's a yoga practice right there. And I agree with you a thousand percent. I think it's a complete disservice and it's simply, it's really just not what yoga is to be the super gifted gymnast ballerina doing yoga. I mean, that's great and everything. Right. However, that's not at all what yoga is and it doesn't have to be like that. Your postures can look like shit. I teach Bikram, you know that. Just for everybody listening, I teach Bikram. Uh, or the 26 and 2 practice. It's 90 minutes. It's hot. It's humid. It's 26 postures. It's two breathing exercises. You do everything twice. These postures are very simple, and it's called a beginner's practice. It's very simple, and it's very difficult. And it's really not about how good do your postures look. You do the best that you can in the postures one at a time. You make it as technically sound as you can to the best of your ability given your physiology, your, your history of injuries, all of it. How, what you have right here, right now, today, in this moment, on your mat, what do you have? Give it that much. Do that much in those postures. It's not about how perfect the postures look. It's about how you get from one posture to the next and how you listen to yourself and the relationship you develop with yourself through that 90-minute process. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to want to do all sorts of things. You're going to want to leave the room. You're going to want to fucking sit down sit when you're down. supposed to stand up. You're going to want to breathe in and out of your mouth. It's really about how do you move through your transitions? How do you take care of yourself through that 90-minute practice so that by the end you're not being escorted away in an ambulance? Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. So it has nothing to do with how good the postures look because a lot of people come in there, myself included. You start going. Five, six, seven postures in, you're gassed yeah and in your mind you're like this is a disaster (laughs) i'm in a fucking war right as a teacher i've had this opportunity to see people in their practice and you could see them in their face they're in that war Mm. and yet somehow they look totally graceful and at peace and are super strong and So meanwhile, you're in this inner war, this complete inner turmoil, inner conflict, and yet you just keep breathing, you Mm -hmm. just keep moving, Mm -hmm. you do the best you can, and somehow you move through this practice and you find yourself at the end changed in some way. That's the yoga. Right, right. You know? Well, one of the most profound things about the 26 and 2 to me is... uh, See, we get into hard and easy because that's just sort of that sort of silly terms to me. But I was going to say it's never easy. 
It's never. But it's easy. also never hard. Like you don't even need to get into that paradigm. But anyway, the, you could go. You could be going for ten years, and the the the, the practice is always there, fully, yeah. full dragon breathing, fire going, bringing you to your knees. Right. Yeah. What, what it's funny what happens to me a lot when I see when I get into that ego in there of what the postures are supposed to be. Dude, I get humble. I get humbled so fast. Oh, yeah. I love that in there because a lot of times you'll start the class like super like stoked up and strong. Sometimes yeah. you start like within the first five se- five minutes, you're trash. But like yeah. sometimes you start and like halfway through the class, you reach this point where you go, wow, I just give up. I'm just going to yeah. be here. Yeah, it's all I can do and just do the do, you know, if I have them, if I have a full posture, if I have a full blossoming, blossoming of the posture, that's wonderful. If I don't, that's wonderful. But you just get humbled, completely humbled. The times when I've gone in there on a mission to prove myself or fucking kill it, I'm on my knees. Yeah. Trashed. Yeah. Sooner. Right. (laughs) When I just go in there and I let it be what it's going to be, I focus on my breath. I do the best that I can. I let it be a marathon and not a sprint. Those are always the best classes. I'm free of expectations. I'm free of any ideas about what it's got to look like. Those are always the most, the most graceful classes. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily even the best. Right. Because that that class where you got brought to your knees completely humbled 25 minutes in, Mm -hmm. that was a great class for you. Mm -hmm. You needed that, clearly. You know, I needed that. I've needed that. Right. Be like, okay, brother, slow down. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or gone in there with a lot on my mind or something, some situation in the background that's pissed me off and I'm like in my righteousness or whatever. You're going to be brought to your knees because it's as much about your physical energy. It's as much about your emotional and mental energy as it is about your physical energy. Yeah. Especially if you're heated mentally or, or emotionally, you go in there and your body's get doing all this work and you're holding on because you're in this mental and emotional Mm -hmm. turmoil. Mm -hmm. You're holding on more. You know, so your insides right, are like, right. so your breathing gets fucked up. Yeah. So you just get sat down. Yeah. So, you know, it was, that's an interesting thing. I mean, I always remember you, you recommending or suggesting or encouraging meditation. And I'm like, nah, fuck that. I've got weed. <laughs> but the yoga, it was definitely cause I was just in so much pain. Right. You know, mom started taking us to yoga. I was 10. You were eight. Yeah. We used to go to fucking city yoga, probably Rudy Matias class. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, I don't know if we ever went to Noah Maze's classes. But... Yeah. Well, anyway, we, went to... we were going to yoga Yeah. from the time we were kids. Thank God. I feel so blessed that we had that education, you know? Yeah. And this tool for living really. Because yeah. that's what it is. It's a tool for living. Yeah. A tool for life. Right. Right. Yeah. Sweet, dude. You feel good? Yeah, I think that's good for now. 
good, man. We can go for a while, but that's good. Dope, brother. Thanks for yeah, having me. I love me. it. I love it. So, yeah, you guys know us. Reality Now. Uh, check out this. So this will be on realitynow.substack.com. I've also just started the Instagram, Reality Now TV. Um, Ebb's obviously got the ebb and flow. Check out uh, Higher Power Workshop. Um, we've got some cool stuff coming up there, too. Dope merch. Eb's got his book on Amazon. I've got my book on Amazon, or my books. We've also got A Life Worth Dying For on Amazon. And uh, we'll probably be working on a new book soon. We had one in the works, but we we shifted gears. But we'll have to figure out mm-hmm. what we want to do next with that. And then um, I think that's it. Call somebody. I... I, I uh, I um I think you you have somebody to speak to. Yeah. Whether you like it or not. Yeah. There's probably somebody. Maybe not a family member. Maybe not oh, your yeah. mom, your dad or a sibling. Maybe Pro- it's your prob- fucking high school teacher or prob- somebody you met at the coffee shop yeah. like probably preferably not a family member. See see who else is out there. Dude, you, you know, wouldn't believe fine. these comments, man. It's it amazing. blew my mind. I Wonderful. was so fascinated by it. Well, just continue being the mirror. Just continue That's being it, the man. mirror. Intimacy is into me, I see. And remember, there's an I in illness and a we in wellness. Whoever thought of that, wherever that came from, is profound. First, I first heard that from mom and her dissertation from yeah. her master's in yoga science. I love that. Yeah, it's a big one. And get out of the terminally unique thing. Everybody's got something going on. Whether it's exactly how your thing going on, it's probably not. You can probably find somebody that's got your exact problem. But on Earth, somebody has a challenge that they're moving through, and we all need help moving through that. Mm. And that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Drop the shame. Yeah. Shame acronym should have already mastered everything. Mm. allow your humanity into this thing big deal reality now tv the ebb and flow podcast realitynow.substack.com thank you so much for joining us thank you ebb thank you bro yeah love you so, all thank you to body oh yeah thank you to body on muhammad here we'll we'll tag on him Violent, on stuff. north hollywood yeah he's got really amazing things Incredible pieces here. It's all imported from Morocco. Yeah. Beautiful stuff. Check it out. We'll yeah. put the link in, in uh in you know the, the notes, notes and tag and them and you can see that. So, so Namaste. Love y'all.